And welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the Regression to the Meat podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran. We are back for our second episode of the week. Last week was in the middle of a move. I started a new job. Things were crazy. It's pretty hard to, to get a second podcast off. I had to take a break. Wow, I would have loved to talk about that Colts-Broncos game. game was so bad, it was almost good. But luckily, we have a great Thursday night game to talk about. No, we don't. More awful. But I still am going to have my three thoughts from Thursday coming up in a moment. Before we dive in on all things Thursday night football, a bit of housekeeping. One, if you have not subscribed to the podcast yet on Apple or Spotify, please do. It makes all the world to us. We love to see the episodes just showing up in your feed because you're subscribed. Two, if you're on Twitter and have not followed the RTM Fantasy account, give it a follow. We're posting great content. You know, Najee Harris is gaslighting us with removing a steel plate from his foot or shoe or I don't know. The return of Najee, just stop it, man. Stop it. You're, you're getting my hopes up. And three, we have a new episode format today. So we're going to kick things off with three thoughts from Thursday followed up by bringing Keegan Thompson on the podcast for the second time this week to discuss some of our favorite fantasy matchups, some of our favorite you know, streamers of the week. New format. We're trying things differently here with that segment. Typically, it just been me before in the past, but we're excited to have Keegan on board. And lastly, we're going to bring on Ron. We're going to bring on Brandon. We're going to have our Degen corner, our gambling corner. We're going to go over some of our favorite game bets, some of our favorite prop bets for the week. Last time we did this, oof, I did not do as well. Brandon is on a hot streak. He will be discussing that a little bit later in the podcast. But we're going to start things off with everybody's favorite topic right now in the football world, and that is Thursday night football. I mean, it's incredible. I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around how good that Broncos Colts game was. It was like theater. It was. <laughs> But we got followed up with probably a better game. We scored more points, but two teams that aren't good. You know, the Bears are not very good. Not a believer in the Commanders, even though Wentz has had a couple bright spots. But I think first and foremost, when you're looking at this game, you got to take a look at Justin Fields. So this is the second offensive coordinator he's had in two years that just isn't calling plays that really match Justin Fields' strengths. We're not seeing a lot of boot action. We're not seeing a lot of design QB runs. They're trying to take some deep shots, but it's still a bit limited. Now, I will say the offenses look night and day better these past two weeks than compared to the start of the season. At least they're throwing the ball, and they're especially throwing it on first down, which makes their run game more dangerous, in my opinion. But the lack of investment in the offensive line, you know, it has him running for his life there on half of these plays. And there were like four or five plays in a row where this guy's face is just down on the turf and he's just got to keep getting pulled up because he's just taking these hits. And, you know, his playmakers, like Dante Pettis is the only one in this game that could do something. Dante Pettis, really? Like, come on. That's brutal. And Darnell, Darnell, run a deeper route, man. You're trying to score a touchdown. Get in the end zone. That's where you need to run that route. And catch the ball. Make a play for your quarterback. That is just brutal. You know, I'm not ready to call it quits on Justin Fields, but let's call a spade a spade. He looks like a shell of himself compared to what he looked like coming out of Ohio State. And you kind of fear that he's going to become the poster child for how not to handle your star rookie QB. This is brutal. You kind of have to feel bad for him. But 
because of his rushing upside, he rushed for 80 yards in this game. He still finishes with 18 fantasy points. If Justin Fields could have some playmakers and complete the ball downfield with his rushing upside, he could be really good in fantasy, but we're not there yet. My second thought, Brian Robinson. Wow, you weren't joking, Commanders, when you said this guy was going to be your starting running back. He handled 47% of the snaps, close to 100% of the carries. He had 17 carries. J.D. McKissick had a couple carries. Antonio Gibson, not really involved. Brian Robinson finished this game averaging 3.5 yards per carry, 60 rushing yards. He has a touchdown and 12 fantasy points. Doesn't score that touchdown. Pretty disappointing day. He's not catching the ball at all. That is clearly McKissick's role. You know, I kind of felt like they were forcing it to him at times. He wasn't super efficient. Before he had that like 20-yard run, it was like legitimately two yards running into a brick wall over and over again. Now, I don't want to take anything away from his story because this is incredible considering he was shot multiple times less than six weeks ago. He healed up faster from his gunshot wounds than Keenan Allen's hamstring has. Put that into context for you. But it's just weird considering everything going on in this backfield that Antonio Gibson just isn't getting carries. Like, I get it. You know, Gibson's kind of in the doghouse, but Gibson's got some juice. He's talented. It's just weird. You would think Gibson would be more involved. Rivera, even after the game, said they should probably get Gibson more involved. I don't know. This stinks of a three-way committee. Three-way fantasy committees where clearly the pass work goes to somebody. Clearly the goal line work goes to somebody. You know, McKissick's getting the pass work. Robinson's getting the goal line work. What does that leave Gibson with? I don't know. Special teams. Either way, Robinson kind of feels touchdown or bust. I wouldn't necessarily love starting him every week, but he cashed. He got in the end zone. So if he had to start him because of buys, it, it paid out pretty well for you. But I don't know. I'm looking I'm looking at this story. It, it's interesting. Hopefully Robinson gets better with each week which he probably should right you know he's a rookie you know i'm not giving up on robinson but he doesn't necessarily look incredible last point carson wentz is rocking a fedora post game i don't like what dude what's going on you you look like a leprechaun i don't red ginger beard with a fedora and a camo suit jacket i don't know if it's a camo suit jacket i just the fit was just atrocious. It's just not a good look. He also was not good in this game. Like, please, get Carson Wentz off my TV screen. This guy stinks. Ron Rivera was in borderline tears defending this man post-game. After earlier in the week, he threw Carson under the bus. What's going on with the commanders? It is just bad vibes over there. But luckily, they have a fantastic owner, Dan Snyder, that they can rely on and lean on in these troubling times. Psych. Psych. That dude sucks. But enough about this matchup. Not very good. Still football, so we're still going to watch. I wouldn't rank it as great on the bad game scale, but either way, you know, what are you going to do? It's probably better than watching the MLB playoffs right now. But let's bring Keegan in here for some of our favorite matchups for week six. And it is our Friday episode, which means that we're going to be running through some of our favorite matchups of the week and some of our favorite players in those matchups. But for the first time ever, joining us for the second time this week, Keegan Thompson. Welcome to the Friday episode of the podcast. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me, Sean. I guess I can quit my job. I'm a full-time podcaster now. So again, for previous listeners of this episode, 
typically the way this this has worked is I've gone over some fantasy friendly matchups, highlighted a couple key players. I'm going to do that again on this episode, and Keegan's going to tell me if I'm an idiot. Keegan's going to tell me if he thinks I'm barking up the right tree. He's going to give me a little direction on what his thoughts are in these matchups. And also, for the first time in regression to the mean podcast history, we're going to get Keegan's streams of the week. Keegan, you're a bold man putting your favorite streamers for everyone to ridicule you on if you get them wrong. So hopefully you get them right. Hopefully you help people win some fantasy matchups. But, you know, maybe you get to do Milk was a bad choice next week with some of your bad takes. So I'm excited about that. I'm ready to put myself out into the world and be ready for all the ridicule that may come. But we're going to help people win because that's what we do here on the Regression of the Mean podcast. So first and foremost, a lot of what we're going to be doing today is rooted in a simple metric called DVOA. Now, before I go on and on about DVOA, do you want to explain to our listeners what that metric is and what it evaluates? Yeah. So DVOA is a percentage metric that has kind of come to the fold recently as like the major analytic that people are pointing to in football. And it's really helping people in the fantasy football world. So in simple terms, it's a really good percentage metric to evaluate whole teams, units of teams like offense and defense and singular players. So it takes basically every single play during an NFL season, compares each one to a league average baseline based on situation. Um, so it's not just yardage, maybe, but but like yardage towards the first down. Uh, so a good example of this is DVOA as a percentage. A team with a whole team with a DVOA of 10% is 10% better than the league average. And for a wide receiver or a quarterback with a DVOA of a negative percentage, let's say negative 15%, is 15% worse than that average quarterback or wide receiver in the league. So we're going to use this metric a lot in the episode to highlight where we see offensive explosions, defensive weaknesses, players who match up well against bad DVOA defense teams or teams that are awful against the run. And this is going to be kind of the metric that we reference a lot. So we want to preface this episode by telling you guys what that is we're talking about. So you kind of understand a baseline of these metrics we're using and what we're using to say this is a good matchup or it's not. What DVOA does a really good job of capturing is context. Right. So a lot of the times you can look at a box score, you look at Justin Fields box score and you're like, wow, he was he was awesome tonight, way better than he usually is. But he missed a bunch of big throws, took some bad sacks. DVOA is going to be able to account for that. So it's a great metric. It's useful. It allows us to tell us who's a good passing offense, who's a bad rushing defense, and hopefully give you some good options to put people in at like wide receiver two, wide receiver three, flex, tight end defense, you know. Obviously, when we're going to talk about the Kansas City-Buffalo matchup, like Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, your studs, we're going to try and go a little bit deeper here to try and give you an edge, right? So if you have Diggs, you have Kelsey, you're starting them. But we're just going to highlight some of our favorite matchups of the week. So again, the aforementioned matchup of the week, let's keep it simple, right? Kansas City against Buffalo. It is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he is an underdog at home. That is absolutely insane. The over-under is 53.5. So Vegas says this is the highest scoring game of the weekend, and for good reason. Do we remember what happened the last time these two teams linked up? I think Gabe Davis remembers. <laughs> um, my goodness, that was the big Gabe Davis game where he scored four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had the huge rally and comeback. Points galore. One of the most exciting NFL games in history. 
Now that's a tough act to follow up. I don't know if that matchup's going to produce fireworks like that. But if you have players like Dave Davis, if you have players like Juju, if you have players like MVS, these are guys that you should strongly consider putting in your lineup. Now, I don't think you're going to bench Gabe Davis after his 30-point explosion last week, but I think a lot of these guys are in a strong opportunity to beat their current productions because if you look at the DVOA metrics, the Chiefs are more susceptible to giving up points through the air and the Bills are more susceptible to giving up points through the air. Now, the Bills are a much better defense than the Chiefs. They took that licking. They lost that heartbreaking game in round two in the AFC playoffs last year. And they came back and they added Von Miller and they beefed up on their interior. So they have a much improved defense and they have a better defense than Kansas City. So this almost sets up as a better matchup for a lot of the Bills skill position players. So like I mentioned Gabe Davis, if Dawson Knox plays, he could be an interesting streamer at tight end. I think Devin Singletary has a ton of value in the passing game. The Bills run at a very high pace. They pass a ton. The Chiefs are willing to come to their level and meet them, which usually creates offensive fireworks. So this one's a little obvious. You're going to want to prioritize players in this game. And if you play DFS, there's some juicy opportunities in this game. But Keegan, I mean, this is the game we're all going to be watching. You know, it's a great palate cleanser. We just got Fields versus Wentz on Thursday. Sunday night, we're going to get Mahomes v. Allen. Uh, it was like watching the eighth graders. Now we get to watch the grown men play a little bit. What are your thoughts here? You think this is a good matchup? Like, we're going to keep it simple. We're not going to overthink this. Yeah, I don't think you overthink this with any players that you have from either of these rosters. Um, one thing I definitely, people are probably maybe a little upset with Devin Singletary's up and down season, but this would probably be the matchup that you can count on them. So the Bills have been up in a lot of games they play. And so you see more James Cook at the end of the game and less Devin Singletary. But this is a game that they're going to have to go punch for punch with the Chiefs. And they're going to have to keep Singletary kind of in that matchup. And I like what you said about him in the passing game. I think Gabe Davis is a great start. Obviously, Diggs, you are 100% starting. Josh Allen should have a healthy fantasy day. And then one person I don't see highlighted here in the notes is Isaiah McKenzie. So I do believe that he will be healthy in this matchup. Um, I know the Khalil Shakir hug was kind of building, but Isaiah McKenzie should assume his role in the slot. And I think even he is a worthy flex, or if you run multiple wide receiver lineups um, with three or rather than two, he'd be a great play here. I think I'm all in on all players from this matchup. The Chiefs is a little bit harder to predict because like Pat Mahomes said at the beginning of the year, he really didn't lie to us. It's going to be a different player every week. But I would have my chips on the table to say that Juju could have a good game and NBS could have a good game. Kelsey's, I think, a lock for a really good game as well. Even though Stonehands MVS was in full effect um, on Monday night, he did look pretty good. So I think MVS continues to get more involved. And a great call out on McKenzie. I totally forgot. McKenzie's a great flex opportunity if you're in a pinch. What do you think about a strong Bills rush defense against some of the Chiefs backfield? It's been a bit of a mixed bag with the Chiefs, with Clyde being very touchdown dependent. Um, Jarek McKinnon's getting some good run, and he actually looks pretty good with his opportunities. Do you think any of those players are somebody you can count on for a double-digit fantasy output? I mean, I'd start Clyde, but I think a lot of the key to all of this for the running backs in this matchup is scoring touchdowns and catching the ball. I just don't know how many yards these two are going. These two teams are going to be able to generate on the ground, especially the Chiefs. This is a very good rush defense, 
I mean, almost equally good pass defense, but they're more susceptible to getting beat in passing situations. So if the Chiefs can run the ball, like that would be huge. Whoever is able to run the ball effectively in this game is probably going to win it. You know, it sounds a little cliche. I mean, you're going to be playing Clyde. I, I don't see myself starting Jarrett McKinnon maybe in like a really deep league. You know, I, I think Clyde's a decent call. I just think it's a very good rush defense. So it's going to be the same Clyde thing. Nothing's changed. He's going to need to catch the ball or he's going to score a touchdown, which has been kind of the, the Clyde mm-hmm. roulette this season. And changing gears to another high-scoring affair, you know, what are we calling this the didn't write back bowl? I don't, I don't know what we'll call it because people have been writing off Kyler for sure. And, you know, I mean, Gino. You, we don't, I don't think we need to talk more about Gino. I'm officially president of Gino, uh, Gino Smith's fan club here. But the Arizona Cardinals are going to come into Seattle and play the Seahawks. We have an over-under here of 50.5, so pretty high total, second, second highest, highest total, total right? on the slate. Again, what have we known so far this season? You want to target players playing the Lions defense, and you want to target players playing the Seahawks defense. And now the Seahawks offense is like almost as equally as good as how bad their defense is. So it's like, give me all the Seahawks offensive players. So this is a juicy NFC West matchup that we have here. You know, division matchups can be a little weird and wonky, so sometimes you hesitate here to throw those out. But I think this really sets up as a game where we see a shootout. That's just how these two teams have been playing. Arizona plays in a lot of shootouts, but I mean, they score a ton of points. Their opponents score a ton of points, and they run a ton of plays. They usually don't score anything in the first half, and they play a ton of catch-up in the second half, which is just creating a ton of volume. Like Hollywood Brown has seen 10 targets in four or five-plus games, and in the same time period, you've seen like Greg Dorch, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, Zach Ertz have viable fantasy performances. And that's with a receiver getting 10-plus targets. So that just kind of tells you what these matchups the Cardinals typically play in. And now we have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL with Seattle Seahawks. So for context, the Seahawks have the number one offensive pass DVOA and the 31st defensive pass DVOA. So they are going to be giving up a ton of points through the air, and they're especially susceptible to giving up points to slot receivers. Rondell Moore was moved into the slot last week. And I think this offers a really unique opportunity for Rondell Moore to beat his current product projection, which is around like 12 to 14 points on like Yahoo Sleeper and ESPN. So I really like Rondell Moore in this game for the Cardinals. I like Eno Benjamin too. You're going to highlight him as well because, you know, Seattle doesn't have a very good rush defense as well. Comes in at like 24th on DBOA. And, you know, Eno Benjamin catches the ball a ton too. So he could hurt Seattle through the air as well. I like Hollywood Brown pretty much in any matchup. He may see treatment from Tariq Woolen, who's been very good. Not like Sauce Gardner good, shout out Jets, but Tariq Woolen has been pretty good. So that's something interesting. I don't know if he's going to be locking down Hollywood Brown or not, but something to keep an eye on. That's why I really like the Rondell Moore pass funnel opportunities. Seattle is awful against tight ends too. Zach Ertz could have a nice week as well. On the Seahawks side of things, I love Tyler Lockett. The Cardinals don't have a very good secondary. Their pass rush is pretty banged up. Now, their defense does look better with J.J. Watt, surprisingly, in the fold. Like I kind of think J.J. Watt's dust, but he's still pretty good. So it's it's interesting to see J.J. Watt have an effect on their defensive line and the you know pressure they're able to generate. But I think Geno Smith is going to be able to get the ball out, and I think Kenneth Walker is going to have a good game. Arizona has one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL right now. Arizona is currently ranked 27th in rush DVOA. So they're susceptible to getting beat on the ground. 
I think this is Kenneth Walker's come out party this week. So again, I really like Rondell Moore. I think Eno Benjamin's a great play. I really like Zach Ertz. Hollywood Brown's going to get his. On the Seahawks side of things, I think Gino is a start for sure. I love Tyler Lockett in this matchup. I think Kenneth Walker could go off. So I think this is going to be a shootout. We've seen Seattle play in shootouts. Let's target these games. We've been scoring a ton of points to target these games. I don't think anything changed this week. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say boot up any Cardinals player. And also, this is the week to cash in on Rondale and Hollywood for like premier usage uh, right before Hopkins gets back. Um, and you know, Benjamin, if you spent the waiver on him or you spent some fab, boot him up as well. I think this is a very fantasy friendly matchup. And Zach Kurtz is a safety blanket. Even with all those targets you mentioned, they're going to Hollywood. Zach Kurtz is still a great uh, tight end start. I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks top five of tight ends this week. Um, on the Seahawks side of the ball, it's going to be you lock in DK, right? You lock him in every week. Lockett could have an explosion, classic Lockett game this week against Arizona's defense. I really like that. And if the Kenneth Walker run game is strong and Gino can get some play action going and open up that defense, then I'd even bump Lockett up more. DK is going to be good. I don't know if I trust somebody like a, a Will Disley or a Noah Fant or the Titans from Seahawks, but I think their pass catchers and Kenneth Walker have a great week. And Gino should be a a fantastic fantasy like start this week at quarterback. I am rolling. I'm rolling out Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown in the same lineup in one league this week. <laughs> I'm rolling out Hollywood and Ertz in the same lineup yeah. as well too. And I'm rolling out a lineup with Eno and Hollywood is on top of that. This is the match at the target. You know, everyone's going to be thinking about Chiefs bills, but I don't want to call this one a sleeper. I think there's going to be fireworks in this one. According so, to numbers, it looks like one of the most friendly matchups for fantasy yeah. this week. One that on the surface doesn't really look like a great matchup because the Buccaneers are currently favored by eight and a half points against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. But I think this one offers a really strong opportunity for a lot of the skill position players. And maybe we're not seeing huge ceilings for a lot of the Steelers players because Tampa Bay has a good defense. But I think you're going to see safe floors created in this matchup because I think the Bucks are going to be able to pass at will against this banged up Steelers defense. And I think they're going to be able to jump out to a pretty quick lead. Last week, the Bills took a massive lead on the Steelers. And by the end of the game, Kenny Pickett had 54 passes. He didn't have a single touchdown. Now, again, when you throw for 300 yards, typically you're going to have a touchdown. I think regression points to Kenny Pickett throwing one to two passing touchdowns. And I think the Steelers are going to be able to score some points on this Bucks defense. Now, again, I'm not out here saying this is going to be close by any means, but like a matchup that say maybe is 28-17, like that's a pretty fantasy-friendly matchup where the Steelers move the ball a ton, Kenny Pickett commits a couple turnovers. But again, you're looking at the Steelers defense you know, they're currently ranked 18th in pass DVOA. They're currently ranked 17th in rush DVOA. A lot of this is also going to be skewed to how dominant they looked with J.J. Watt in week one. Without J.J. Watt, they don't look as good. Minka Fitzpatrick is banged up. Cam Sutton, one of their slot corners, is banged up. J.J. Watt. Dude, but you got to think about it. Chris Godwin, I don't want to say this is his biggest opportunity, but I just feel like Cam Sutton, their slot corner, is out. This is the Chris Godwin week if there ever was going to be one, in my opinion. I think Tom Brady was rocking the Chris Godwin shirt at the press conference today. I don't know if you saw it. It was pretty fresh. You know, you don't have a wife anymore, but you sure got the homies, Tom. <laughs> you got the homies on the t-shirt. T it's so good for you, dude. But I think this really 
is a great opportunity for Chris Godwin to eat. And for the Steelers, I think Deontay Johnson and I think George Pickens could have good games. And not necessarily huge 20-point, 30-point games. I'm talking about like you're managing risk and you're trying to put players that maybe have higher floors in your flex position. And I think these two guys have higher floors because I, I see the Steelers operating a lot and run it and hurry up offense, trying to catch up, which is just going to create volume. So I like them. I don't like Najee. This is, even though it's weird, if you look at the DVOA stuff, Tampa Bay's number one rated pass DVOA defense and like the number 18th rush which is weird. You don't think of Tampa Bay like that, right? And I think it's because Tampa Bay got gashed by the uh, by the by the Chiefs, right? They got gashed by the Chiefs on the ground, which was interesting. But I just see this as an opportunity for some pass catchers with Pittsburgh to do pretty well. And I think Chris Godwin goes off. I mean, Mike Evans is probably going to catch a touchdown too. So I just think that you know, even Lenny, I didn't even talk about Lenny. Like Lenny could probably do pretty well. And maybe if it's a blowout, Rashad White's out there and he has flex consideration in a deeper format. So I just think points are going to be scored in this game. I think it's a blowout. Tampa Bay wins, but Pittsburgh's going to be able to get on the board. Semi-entertaining matchup. What do you think? Uh, I definitely like a lot of things you say, and I did not have this kind of matchup in mind as like a fantasy-friendly matchup. And the only reason I think that is like, if the Bucks do get up, you're almost capping your your ceiling for the Goglin, Mike Evans, the past game, right? But I think you make a really good point. Rashad Quiet, this could be a really good week for him. I think Lenny should crush early on in this game and stack up some safe fantasy points for you. And I think that's very favorable and reasonable to say with a very, very weak Steelers defense. Uh, one interesting thing is you're totally right. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense are going to be down. Like there's no other way to put it. They're going to be passing the ball a lot. So I love Pickens in this matchup. I think Deontay Johnson would be a really good play from this matchup. And with the Najee situation, um, I you probably have to start him because draft capital, right? Like that's your RB1, RB2s that you slot in there every week. You kind of have to. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Warren had a double-digit output this week. He so had it last week. Yep. And, you know, we saw what happened when they're way down against the Bills and Jalen Warren comes into the game. Um, you got a rookie, Kenny Pickett, not afraid to just put the ball wherever he needs to put it right now. Jalen Warren could have a pretty favorable matchup. And I don't just suggest Jalen Warren is like your RB2 or maybe a flex unless you're in a really, really deep league. But that's a name to watch out in this matchup. But I do like that this gives an opportunity early on in the game for Bucks fantasy players and studs to like accumulate some very quick fantasy points. And opposite against this game, where I don't necessarily love the running backs outside of Lenny and Rashad, I really like the opportunities for the running backs in this Jets-Packers game. So the over-under implied total is 45 and a half. I thought it was going to be a little bit lower, to be honest. You know, this is a game played in Lambeau. This isn't setting up for a great matchup for Zach Wilson. Green Bay has a pretty good pass defense currently ranked right now at 11th. But they have the 30th worst rush defense in DVOA right now. They're getting gashed on the ground. And what have we seen the Jets be really good at doing lately? Running the ball with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. I think this opens up a really strong opportunity for both of these running backs to be involved early and often to protect Zach Wilson, to create play action opportunities, and to exploit the weakness of this Packers defense. Now, this thing could get out of hand. I don't think it will. I think the Jets are a little bit more evenly matched than this matchup indicates. 
But even if it does, we've seen both of these running backs be super capable of catching the ball as well. So if you know the Jets are in hurry up, catch up because they're down and they need to snap the ball, they just need plays. I could see Brees Hall benefiting it in the receiving game. Definitely could see Michael Carter taking advantage of that as well. And on the flip side, the Jets have a pretty good pass defense. We've seen the impact that Sauce Gardner's had on this defense. We've seen what he's done to opposing star wide receivers. I think A.J. Dillon and I think Aaron Jones have a really strong opportunity to bounce back. I could see both of them getting in the end zone. I could really see Green Bay rebounding and going all in around both their stud running backs this week and exploiting a Jets defense that has been exploited on the ground this year. So this is similar to a matchup that I really liked a couple weeks ago, which was Texans versus Chargers, where both rush defenses sucked and both running backs were really good. I see this matchup setting up very similarly. That game had a 45.5 total. This game has a 45.5 total. I like the running backs in this matchup. I think all four are worth putting in your lineup, even if you know Dylan and Carter are solid flex plays this week. What I do you like think, that, Sean? Um, I, one thing I think to know, and you and I talked about this, is well, first off, I'll start by saying this: Jets are, I think, it's seven and a half in favor of Green Bay. So the Vegas definitely thinks that this is a game that Rodgers comes out and Packers comes out, and they kind of take control of it, control the pace of this game. Um, one thing to key in on the Jets, and now you mentioned maybe not a great game for Jets pass catchers, but if the Jets run game does get going very efficiently, the Jets are going to run some play action on the Packers. And that might open up the passing game a little late. And with some game script that would favor um, Jets kind of throwing the ball a lot to keep up with the game, like you might get some of that passing help in the back end of the game if the Jets are a little bit out of it. Um, so I don't want to count on any Jets pass catchers yet. Um, I do think Michael Carter on the rushing side is a little touchdown dependent right now. I'll have to see like how the game unfolds, right? Like, like last week, Brees Hall did all the work to get into the goal line, but Michael Carter ends up with two touchdowns. Um, but he's getting a lot of red zone opportunities from the Jets. So I still consider him a decent flex play. Brees should be awesome. Um, one thing to note with A.J. Dillon is the Jets actually have a really good defensive line. Um, so the way that they're going to be using A.J. Dillon in the run game, that could limit his opportunities and make him a little more like you need to see him on goal line. You need to see him in red zone with some opportunities. But A.J. Dillon should chew up the Jets this week. Fully believe that. You mean Aaron Jones? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you Jones, think Aaron sorry. Jones on the outside? You yes. think, yeah, the Jets struggle containing the outside a little bit more? Yeah, Absolutely. I think, AJ, I mean, Aaron Jones is so explosive, but I think Dylan gets the end zone this week. That's my call. I feel pretty confident about that one. Yeah, and I but, think Brees should be another, like, 15, 17-point game this week. I mean, Brees Hall is a top 12 play. I think that's, I think that feels pretty good locking that in. And I think Aaron Jones is, like, a top nine play. I think both of them are, are RB1 consideration and Dylan and Carter in, are in flex conversation in deeper leagues. This would be a big test for Zach Wilson and to see if he could find a way to get his pass catchers involved. I would love to see some Elijah Moore action this week, but we'll see. Going into Lambeau, it's going to be a tough one. If Zach pulls this one out, tip of the cap to Salah, you guys are on to something. But <laughs> that is going to wrap it up for some of our fantasy-friendly matchups of the week. Keegan. First time ever. Let's hear your stream of the weeks. Yeah, let's take a look at some players that are for sure going to get me made fun of as soon as they play bad on Sunday. Um, I'll start it off with our favorite. You know, we're becoming presidents, co-presidents of the Geno Smith fan club. Mr. Didn't write back. Um, I have him as kind of my number one streaming option of the week. And I understand that like some people probably have scooped Geno due to his play, but I still consider him like outside of 
maybe the top 10 quarterbacks you'd want to start just based off. Um, no way. Not top numbers. 10, baby. Top but, 10. But that's why I kind of have him this week as like the yeah. ultimate play. Um, you know, like you said, number one, like offense, great passing game currently. And Arizona is not a great pass defense team. You're ranking bottom of the league um, in passing defense, according to DVOA rankings. Um, and the game total, like we mentioned, is set to 15 and a half points with Seahawks being plus two and a half. That's still a lot of points. That's about 24 points for Seahawks that Vegas is predicting you have. So I think Gino has another awesome fantasy game this week. I I agree. And the next one you have here, I like too. This yeah. is this is actually the I think the really good play um, is Kirk Cousins. Miami defense is the worst past DVOA ranked team in the league right now. Like absolute wow. worst. I didn't know that. And and they have a banged up secondary. Um, even though Xavier Howard's back, he's still coming off injury. They have other DPs who are hurt. I think Kirk Cousins might shred the Miami defense this week. And Justin Jefferson, ever heard of him? Um, Adam Thielen, touchdown game this weekend. I'll call it right now. Okay. That's AJ Dillon, Adam Thielen. Throw that in a parlay, baby. <laughs> Anytime touchdown scores. Let's like go. That. What do you think about Kirk, John? I like Kirk. I think this game is wacky. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. They're playing a third street quarterback, but it's also in Miami and Mike McDaniel's a wizard and the Vikings defense kind of sucks, but it also is able to generate pressure and I I think the Vikings should win, but if I would not be surprised if the Vikings lost though. You know, it's not a primetime game. So Kirk's probably gonna score twenty fantasy points. So I think it's a yeah, good Yeah, that's stream. kind of the last talking point I have for yeah. Kirk. It's not yeah. prime time, so you don't have yeah, to worry. It's probably gonna do pretty well. Who do you have at running back? You only have one guy, so you must feel pretty confident about him. I have one guy that I think is like a must-start, and I have this in here as kind of like streams of the week, right? Like out of your like the top twenty-four running backs, and I know probably ranking projected Eno Benjamin this week is probably going to be projected like thirteen plus running back, but you scooped him up last week or this week on waivers. You know he's taking place of an Andrew James Connor and no Daryl Williams. Like it's time for him to get busy in that offense in a shootout projected matchup against Seattle. Um, they're a bottom of the league rushing defense and overall defense in general. He's a good patch catcher, very explosive. We already talked a lot about this matchup being very fantasy friendly. And I think, you know, Benjamin slot him in uh, right away. I know you mentioned uh, AJ Dillon as a good like flex play as well, too. I'm thinking he gets in the end zone. Uh, I definitely don't hate that. I like Dillon. I think Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson is very popular. Cleveland has a terrible rush defense. Ramondre looks awesome. I like yeah, Eno though. I think the this is to a, boot him up. Eno's a good dart throw. You know, like he was out there on waivers. He probably wasn't that expensive. I, this is a good play. And he cashes the ball too, which is always good. You know, he's good for like four or five receptions and he has juice. So I like this one. Who yeah. do you have at receiver this week? Um, so these are a little bit more deep. Receiver is obviously a very deep position with a lot of people being viable options. So I try to point people towards a direction that might be players that are on your bench and haven't had a chance to be in your lineup yet. Um, but I'll start with Devin DuVernay. So Rashad Bateman is going to be out again this week. And that defaults him to the number one receiver for Lamar Jackson this week. Um, Giants are 25th in passing defensive DVOA, making it super friendly matchup for the Ravens passing game. And I know their passing game hasn't been all that outside of Mark Andrews, but I think this is a great option to like finally get Devin DuVernay in your lineup as a flex play, or if you have one of the bi-week players, like maybe a wide receiver two, three, I would say more close to three flex, but I think this is a great opportunity for Devin DuVernay. And looking at um, football outsiders rankings, 
Guess who is? Hold on, let me pull this up. Guess who he's, is top he's pretty high wide receiver? He's pretty high. Uh, DVOA. He he's, is he's played well. He's, he's the eighth player. Well. He's the eighth wide receiver. The only names in front of him are Diggs, Terry Kill, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Jalen Waddle, Tyler Lockett, Justin Jefferson, and then it's Devin Duvernay in receiving DVOA. So I think that's a great opportunity for him to put up some points and finally make it earn the way off your bench this week. Fire up Duvernay. Bateman's out. It's like a Bateman replacement. So I'm a little hurt. My Bateman shares are depressed right now, but Duvernay is playing rather. Use him out of the backfield too. Who else do you have? You have somebody up against not your Jets. No. Yeah, I, I hate to say this. I even said against my poor, poor Jets. Um, but I do think Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, but future Hall of Fame quarterback, veteran quarterback, he's going to go out there and test our cornerbacks and our DBs. Like he's going to test Sauce this week and he's going to test DJ Reed. I think Alan Lizard, aka Alan Lazard, is actually a pretty good play this week in your flex. Um, he's right outside of kind of like the top 24 consensus wide receivers for the week. Um, and I do think that while Aaron Jones and um, AJ Dillon are going to have pretty good games. I do think Alan Lazar is the patch catcher that comes out of this matchup from the Packers who might end up with a touchdown and a pretty worthy flex play. I like Lazard. I, I think he's had a hundred yards or a touchdown in like 10 straight games. So he's playing pretty well when he's out there with Rodgers. The volume's solid. I like that one. This one, I'm a little confused. We're doing a homer double up here. You're, you're picking yes. a niner after a jet. Let me know your thoughts on Ayuk. I'll share afterwards. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk is my third one here. Um, and I think I've seen some spurts this year where I think Ayuk is about to have this massive game and then the game strip changes. But Atlanta is just a very whatever pass defense. Like very, very whatever. I think SF probably handles Atlanta this week. I think if there was a pass catcher to pick out of this, I know you have some notes on Kittle, but I think Ayuk has a blow-up game. And remember, this is... Talking about flex plays, um, I think Brandon Ayuk is a very good flex play this week. Ayuk is so good. He's so talented. He just doesn't get the ball that much. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo only throws like 25, 30 passes a game. It's just not a ton of volume. So, like, you're going to hope Ayuk catches a touchdown. It's a pretty boom or boomer bust play, right? Like, it might be one of those, like, slants that he turns into like a 40 yards yak play and takes it home to the end zone. But I just have something in my gut. Something in my gut, Sean. This is one that I'm ready to eat dirt on. Okay. It doesn't hit. I like this game a little bit more than I normally would because we're we're probably not going to play Nick Bosa this week. Uh, Eric Armstead's out. Javon Kinlaw's out. Our defensive line is deep, right? But we're going to play a lot of second stringers. So I think Atlanta's going to be able to score some points on us, and we're going to have to score points back to win this game. Playing indoors, I like George Kittle. You know, the Falcons are one of the worst pass defenses against tight ends. Like, they're giving up the third most or fourth most points to tight ends right now. If, if Kittle's going to do something, I think it's this week. But I'd love to see Ayuk out there dominating. I love Ayuk. He's super talented. He just doesn't get enough run. Before we switch from this, because I know people have been trying to wonder, like, when to start and when not to, and they're probably frustrated with this. On the reverse side of it, Drake London versus the Niners. Give me some Niners defense insights. What do you think about Drake London this week? Dude, I don't I wouldn't really want to start anyone against the Niners defense right now. Like any of course, like if the volume's there and but like, you know, we Emmanuel Mosley towards ACL. It looks like Jason Verrett's gonna play, but he's gonna get shadow coverage from from Charvarius Ward, who's played very well. I mean, you know, it should be back this week too. Uh, the only reason I say that is because I do not think Atlanta could continue to and Atlanta's been very good at running the ball. 
they're not going to run the ball. They're not going to be able to run the ball against us. I don't think so. They had a good running game, even against Tampa, which I thought was a pretty impressive showing against a really good run D. They're not going to be able to run the ball on the Niners. There's just no way. They have to pass the ball this week. I think the only way they could beat us is if like Pitts is able to win one-on-one against Tafunga, against Gibson, against uh, Warner. So like if, if they're going to win this game, I envision it being a game in which Pitts goes off. And we don't normally give up a lot of points to tight ends. But so stay away we'll from see. London. We'll week, see. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. But he, I don't know. They're going to have to pass the ball. So if they start passing the ball more, it's going to be more attractive to these pass catchers. Bonus round, just real quick. Um, T. Higgins is out after a bunch of DNPs this week in practice. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, this could be the time to fire him up. I don't really have much to say other than you're missing T. Higgins. We understand the coverage that Jamar Chase has been getting all year. Primary focus of defense is when they go against him. It's opened up a lot of opportunities for T. Higgins. Even Hayden Hurst is getting some of that extra benefit. Tyler Boyd could be a great option this week. This is my Jamar Chase leaves it on the table game. Like, I think he's my start of the week at wide receiver. Marshawn Lattimore's not practicing right now for the Saints. This is the LSU homecoming for Joe Burrow and for Jamar Chase. I think the last time they played in this stadium, they were winning the national title. Also, to keep in mind, Jamar Chase, I believe he is from Louisiana. So, homecoming for Jamar Chase, I expect a big game. If not, I, I may shut down this podcast. Um, quick, <laughs> qu- quickly here, tight end. Who do you have for us? Yeah, this is this is so tough to predict, and I'm kind of taking a shot in the dark with Irv Smith here. But everything I, like I said it. about Kirk Cousins applies here. Miami is atrocious against passing, so I would just if you have Irv Smith or you like didn't get a chance to get a different tight end this week, like I think I'm comfortable firing up on the hope that Miami defense is just going to give up a lot to Kirk Cousins, and I think he has a really good game as a quarterback which is positive signs for the rest of the pass catchers there. Um, and then Evan Ingram is kind of been this like plug and play option all season. I think um, it's a decent opportunity, but Indianapolis is averaging around 16 points per game against tight end in PPR this year. So they're giving so up a lot I, of points to tight ends. I think it's a very <clears throat> good opportunity for Evan Ingram to have a decent Maybe we'll say maybe ten point game. Tight what is so hard to predict? What did Ingram have against them? Because they've already played him this year. I think Ingram had a decent game against them in I think week three, right? Let's see what Ingram did. Eleven point six points. Eight targets, seven yeah. receptions, forty six yards. Yeah, that's a good. So. That's a good start. Okay, and I like Ingram last week against Houston. So. Yeah. I like Ingram. I like Irv Smith. I, I think Irv Smith is a big part of this offense. I think he'll. I think he'll be involved as well. Okay, Any so from you, Sean, before we go to defense, uh, take some time, baby. Um, oh God, <laughs> I like Hayden. I like Hayden Hurst this week too, okay. and I like George Kittle. Obviously, you got Kittle starting, but I think Kittle goes off. Okay, defense. This is interesting. You took you took a different angle here. Uh, I have two different defenses than you, but let's let's hear what you got. Um, you know, I'll start with Baltimore. Um, I think a lot of the main defenses are probably scooped up um, in your league, and Baltimore could be a very decent play here. Um, it's a pretty low point total for this game, and I know the Giants are 4-1, and one, but they just don't have skill positions. Um, no. It's going to take a really good game from Saquon Barkley to make an impact here, and I think you probably could get a couple sacks out of Baltimore's defense on Danny Dimes this week. I just don't see how they open up this defense like through the pass game and – 
Baltimore could just continue to stack against Saquon. And I know Saquon could probably beat all of that. Like Saquon's much better than what it would take in a normal, like, hey, let's fight against the run game running back. He's going to be like potential RB1 or two in a fantasy this year. So this is kind of a like longer shot play, but I think Baltimore is a pretty decent defense stream. I like that. I like um, in tandem with that one. I uh, I really like the Vikings defense against Skylar Thompson. I think, you know, Mike McDaniel has a good scheme. The Vikings defense isn't that good, but it's a third-string quarterback. Third-string quarterbacks can make mistakes. So I like the Vikings yeah. D this week. And then the last one, I have a different L.A. team. You have the Chargers. I have the Rams against P.J. Walker. Tell me a little bit about the Chargers. Yeah, so I just want to take a different route. Like I said, the first matchup, like suggests you maybe some options and you haven't grabbed a defense this week and you didn't have like hold on to one of the good ones. I think the Chargers could come in here and really get some points against a banged up Russell Wilson, you know, of his shoulder. It's his throwing shoulder too, you know, um, and no Javante. I think Melvin's had an okay week of practice and there's he's banged up as well. I think the Chargers could be a pretty good play against the Broncos. You know, division matchups are weird, but I still think this is a decent opportunity as a stream, especially if you're desperate and you don't like your current defensive matchup. Not bad. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are going to be hard to pick up anyway. A lot of people wanted them against B.J. Walker. These are deeper. Yeah. I like it. These are less obvious. We'll see how this lands. And thank you again for for your streams, putting your neck out there. We're going to hold you accountable next week. Um, and we announced <laughs> oh, it a little bit earlier in the pod. You're going to be joining us twice a week. So we're really excited, man. So thank you for, uh, for hopping on and joining. Yeah, of course, Sean. It's a good time as always joining you on here. And hopefully, hopefully I hit two of these players and they go good. If I, if I get, two it's of Eno. These Eno's good... your guy. Eno's your big guy. You're planting your flag in Eno Benjamin. So let's see how yeah. that goes. We'll see how that goes. But thanks again, Sean. This is week six. This is how we win. Coip, Ron, back in the fold. How are we doing, boys? Um, always. I personally, I can't complain. The Niners took a W last week. We can do the math on my units, but Coip's team lost in the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I believe he he threw down four units on Packers covering last week. And I just I just don't know how that's looking for him. I think I'm starting to I take didn't the bet lead this here. game at all. Ronnie came up to me drunk at a party. <laughs> said, What's your lock of the week? I didn't know any lines. Of course I'm hammering my team. Lucky I didn't say hundred units. But I didn't bet that game. Hey, I don't know. Look, Sean got the text. It it was kind of put in writing. I, I feel like that's as official as it gets. Thank you kind of liked it. We we took last week off, all right. So we're not gonna count it. That is hilarious though. But you know, it happened in London, so it doesn't count. So there's last week games fish and chips, babe. Didn't, All right, it, so with it, it that logic, happen. then Camara, the, so that means Camara, the bench decision shouldn't have been taken into consideration. It was a London game. I'm still salty about it. I would have won two different matches if I started it. If I didn't start it. Set an alarm. Zero, dog. Zero, dog. Okay, boys. <laughs> so for this week, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to go through two of our favorite props and just straight up our favorite game bet. So I'm going to give my props. I'm going to give my game bet. Brandon's going to give his. Ron's going to give his, and then we're going to close it out with a Ron Burgundy teaser. Wake up. Wake up, San Diego. Wake up, Wake up babe. Wake, Wake up, up, babe. New Ron Burgundy teaser. News team assemble. Here we go. I have two prop bets this week, and I'm not doing an over-under. Wow, by the way, I got killed the last time we did this. I went King Henry under. Yeah, joke's on me. I went Michael Pittman over. 
Woof. Oh my god. Who goodness. told you not to take that DK Metcalf? Who told oh my you not goodness. to take that? Look in the logic. Who does a little boy? The logic on the Metcalf thing wasn't that wrong. Metcalf only had four catches. He just did it for like 150 yards. So you know he took a he took a massive shit and still crushed his over that game. <laughs> Literally he did. carted he, he, off the field to drop major dookie. Who <laughs> Okay, so someone who is not gonna shit their pants on the field this week is Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is going to go over 80 and a half receiving yards. And Veronica, this is actually one of your locks of the week, so I'll, I'll have you chime in here after I get my reasoning. Marshawn Lattimore is not playing. The Saints defense is banged up. This is the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow first time returning to the Superdome narrative since they won the 2018 National Championship. Talk Correct to me. him. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jamar Chase is from Louisiana. I think he's going to have a ton of family in the stands. I think he shows yeah. out. We're playing indoors. I think this is a bounce-back game here for the Bengals. I'm going Jamar Get Chase em. over 80 and a half. That is a lot. Get it's, it's a lot. It's a big line, but I got him going over. And if he doesn't go over this, I'm going to cancel this podcast. I'm so out. I'm putting everything <laughs> in Jamar Chase. I am, I am going to tilt so hard if Zach Taylor just has a run outs. In curls. If it isn't a slant over the middle, Zach, I'm going to find where you live and write you a strongly worded uh, letter. I- I'm over it, Zach. Okay? Man, yeah, dangerous. Dude, he's going to be in shambles after that letter, huh, Sean? No, he's, he's not going to be too worried about it because he's a millionaire, and I'm not. Okay, so that's why I like Jamar Chase this week. Do you have anything else to add, Ronick, or just Yeah, I'm just going to go over I'm just going to go over Jamar Chase's individual yards for the season so far per game. 129 had his monster game week 1 against the Steelers and then just a lot of shit in the bed. 54 against the Cowboys, 29 against the Jets, who that secondary that was I had him going over that game and I didn't realize how legit that Jets secondary was. Um, 81 which is exactly what we would need here against the Dolphins. I believe he had a lot of Xavier Howard that game, and he still was able to mark up to 81. And then 50 against the Ravens. I think exactly what you're saying. I think there's a lot of makings for Jamar to act like that first-round pick. A lot of people took him in this year. Uh, I think this is the game. I think exactly what you're saying. No Marshawn. The second I saw Lattimore get ruled out, I think his over jumped about like six yards. I think it was at like 74 and a half. But I'm still taking it. Uh, I'm still taking over 80.5. I got a unit on it. I don't, I don't know if I'm betting the house on this one as much. Just I've been burned by lock of the week, Jamar Chase. But over 80.5, sign me up. Um, I'm here for it. I, I just, I think this is just the spot for him. I just really do. So glad we're on the same page there. Definitely means we're going to lose this bet. Okay. Yeah. My <laughs> other one here. I have another over. Call me Mr. Overs. I am going to be taking George Kittle over 41 and a half receiving yards. So my reasoning for this, Falcons have been terrible against tight ends. They're constantly giving up receiving yards to tight ends. I think the 49ers defense is going to be banged up this week. I'd be surprised if Nick Bosa goes. Javon Kinlaw already ruled out. Eric Armstead already ruled out. It, you know, oh, we already lost a cornerback to a torn ACL. Shout yeah. out, E-Man. We'll, we're going to miss uh- you. This is shaping up for an opportunity for the Falcons to score some points and move the ball. And it's also shaping up for an opportunity for the 49ers offense, you know, to answer that bell. Kittle actually went over this last week too. So I think Kittle is involved early and often and he goes over in his receiving yardage. You actually have something here with Kittle as well. What do you have with Kittle? I got Kittle anytime touchdown. I think there's a lot of dues to be paid Um, this week. I think two weeks ago we saw Kittle – 
um, not have the toe tap in him um, against the Rams. We saw him give up a fumble last week. I think there's a lot of Kittle trying to put his name back on the map. I like over, honestly, I like, I, I like your prop better than that anytime touchdown, but I just like a little better bang for your buck. Um, so I got a unit to win two units. Um, I think it's plus 200 on Kittle anytime touchdown. I think he gets in that zone. Cool. So again, you and I are aligned, which means this. We're, we're fucked. Gonna, no, yeah, we're absolutely we're, this fucked. Is, yeah, this no, means we're, we're yeah, we're not going to be in a good situation here. Okay. My game bet of the week. Now this line just moved considerably after injuries were announced. I originally had bucks at minus eight and a half. This line has jumped to minus 10 in some places. Double digit spread is it's always a little tricky. I was able to get them at nine and a half before it jumped up to 10. But I really think the Buccaneers are going to take it to the Steelers. You know, they are a home dog, which you never love to see. But the Steelers just ruled out Minka Fitzpatrick, Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton, and Akilah Witherspoon. For those of you at home, that is three fourths of their entire starting secondary is not going to be playing on Sunday. And guess what? Chris Godwin wheels up. He's playing. Guess what? Mike Evans, he's in the lineup. He's going to be playing. So we're going to see a fantastic opportunity for the Bucs to win this game. I think this is a blowout. Both of these guys are clearly celebrating something massive just happened in a, in a playoff no. game. This is <laughs> Yankees over cash. He had over live five and a half, but I have Yankees money line live, and that was a four two in top ten right now. Sorry, you, see, you I, this I thought Shani, but... I thought Coip was uh, raining money on me. For those of you who can't see in video, Coip is is <laughs> is making it rain, and I thought he's making it rain on my bet. But he was, they're watching sports right now and not even paying attention to what I'm saying. So, no, nah, yeah, go back. No, 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 yeah. You're, the bet that you were talking about definitely has likely, you know, upside and it could yeah, also Milwaukee lose. Bucks, that, right? Yeah, no, I know what you were saying. I, <laughs> Warriors win total for the season over. I like it. Yeah, over, over 52 and a half for the dubs. Let's ride, baby. You're going to tell your listeners by the time they hear this, do you think that they should lock it as to what the Bucks will be when they see it at minus 10? It's going to come back. It'll close I think, it I think nine and a half. If you can get it underneath 10, do it. I still think they could blow the absolute doors off the Steelers. I'm just going to think it baby a, hands hasn't proved But you don't think this yet. is the makings of a trap game where you think, no. Nah. and I have, we, we've, we've been burned by this before where you, hey, all their players are out. Oh, you think it's over. Oh, you have to hammer them. The other team were the healthy players. And then out of nowhere, the second, third stringers play like it's remember the Titans. Maybe uh, like a sneaky backdoor, but that's an opportunity because I think the Steelers are frisky and can move the ball. I think Kenny's not afraid, right? But Maybe like, I, I don't, I don't see the Bucks losing this game. I see the Bucks pouring it on, even though they're a home dog, it makes you a little bit nervous. I just feel like the Steelers defense is not very good. And the Buccaneers are three and two. Tom Brady doesn't have a wife anymore. So he's really going to want to prove to a national audience um, that he can love something. You know, he loves the game. He can't love his wife. You don't think NFL young boy snags six touchdowns this week? Um, I don't even know who that is. Oh, George Pickens. Um, Maybe, maybe Godwin's going to go off though. Uh, But that's what I have. So in summation here, I got Jamar Chase over 80 and a half. Ronick has that as well. George Kittle over 41 and a half. Ronick has anytime touchdown for George Kittle. And I've got Bucks minus eight and a half. Now minus nine and a half in that range. Be careful if it gets to minus 10. But those are my bets for the week. I'm going to be laying a unit on each one of those bets. Brandon, let's hear from you. What do you got for us this week? All right. I'll start off with my props. I'll let you right know right now. They're all rushing overs. Big, big ground week. 
Right, we got Fleet Week in SF last week. We got Ground Week in America this week. So we're going to start off A.J. Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Over 51 and a half yards. Packers are back on American soil. They've been watching Saving Private Ryan all week. They're so happy not to be in London. <laughs> Fortunate son in the background while A.J. Dillon stomps over those little jet boys, little boy jets. He's rushing the sun. We're going to kill clock. We're going to be up the whole game. So we're giving it to our bruiser. Easy over 51 and a half. Probably gets to 90, 100. So lock that in. I see you guys like that. Mm -hmm. I see I, a lot of nods and smiles. I, okay. my, my fantasy team loves that. Like, oh, yeah. I also loves declined that. to trade for him. So he's naturally going to go off. That's how it works. And then my second prop of the week. This one's a tasty little parlay. It's an in-game, same-game parlay. Daniel Jones, over 36.5, parlayed to Lamar Jackson, over 59.5. These guys, they talk all the time. They want to prove who's the fastest quarterback. And they're going to do it in this game. I don't know. Last year, DJ topped out higher. They're going to prove I it. I don't think Daniel Jones is out here like, I am faster than Lamar Jackson. He but... literally texted me and said, I'm faster than LJ. That Interpret that as you want. That could be Lamar Jackson. I don't know. Still, that's easy plus 250 you're wasting money not taking it that that one's interesting so? that one's interesting the, those the odds the odds are great both of these quarterbacks do run yeah. you know i, I so think running, no matter what danny's gonna be behind passing a lot so he'll be running too passing to who dude Passing to who? Nobody. That's why he's running. <laughs> yeah, that basically their offense is like Saquon Barkley Wildcat and use Daniel Jones as a battery ram. Like yeah. they're like, we do not care if this guy get, gets hurt because we are and not going to sign him next year. It kind of is working. This is interesting. I love the odds on it. It it's definitely something I wouldn't lay multiple units on, but you know, I got a nice one sprinkle, unit on it. Sprinkle a little something on it. Okay, so we're gonna have AJ Dillon over fifty one and a half. Which I like. I think both the running backs on the Packers and Brees Hall on the Jets could have big games in this week. Who and fucking Brees Hall, dude. Well, he's a monster. He's really good at football. But yeah, still. I just hear jealousy. And then we have Daniel Jones <laughs> over 36 and a half and Lamar over 59 and a half. We're going to parlay that in the same game for plus 250 odds. What is your game bet of the week? All right. Game bet of the week. No brainer. Don't overthink it. Cardinals minus two and a half. Kyler Murray is a greasy midget. You can't tackle the kid. Gino officially writes back. It's time How they like they're no, overachieving. No. They're gonna slide. They're overachieving. How dare you? Gino's writing back. The Cardinals D isn't that bad. How dare you? How JJ dare on this eats him three on, or four times I, on this I, like, podcast? Honestly, I was having a nice Friday until I heard Gino Smith writes back. I mean, he's writing back on this podcast. Gino Smith sir doesn't even know how to write. That is hey. how committed. He doesn't own he a pen. Quick. He doesn't own a pen. Quick. He doesn't own a He's pen. He doesn't own a keyboard. A pencil. No, he does hey. not write back. He, he failed every penmanship lesson he had in elementary school. This man has just hey, never. Been I ride with the guy back. every week. He's like QB five in fantasy. I start him every week in dynasty. By the way, he's a back. he's a voracious reader. He reads everything. He just refuses to write. Like this is just, insane. I got to get it right now. Pick of the year. I drafted him in the rookie draft, fourth round. Who does that? QB5? Legend. <laughs> he, yeah. But he's going down. Uh, man, I don't know, man. Okay. Okay. So, Koi, 
is is predicting that Gino writes back. He's putting his money on Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, who's at we'll home? Midget. Who's at home? Who's at home? I think it's yeah. the Cards. No, Seattle. This, this is a Seattle yeah. home game. Let me double check. It is a Seattle home game. How yeah. are the Cardinals favored in this? I don't know, man. I'm I I, I don't write back when it comes to Gino, but we'll see. You're you're right in the sense city. that Gino is hot. You know, he might come back to earth. He could regress, but some of the throws he was making in that everything Saints that game, goes up. Dude. Must come down. I mean, Dude, I he, hope they both lose. A tie would be awesome as a 49er fan. Yeah, right? it, it would be cool. I mean, I think for comedy's sake, I Cliff being a 500 would be hilarious. But I'm rooting for the Seahawks in this one. Ugh, can't believe I said that. Okay, so Ron, you shared two of your favorite prop bets. I know you have one more prop bet and you have one team bet. Lay it on us, man. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. We got the Jamar over 80 and a half. We got, what's the other one? Kittle anytime touchdown. It's a unit to win two units. I got a four-unit prop bet for you guys. It is four units. Count them. One, two, three, four. As many rings as Steph Curry has on its way to a fifth because I might even make it five units. Camara, any time touchdown, plus 100. You get your exact amount of units that you wager in it as a payout. Don't even think about this. Place the bet. Close your close your website, close your betting app, close whatever it is that you're placing the bet. Go to Vegas, get the ticket, put it in your wallet, just get ready to cash it, come back Monday morning. Four units, Camara, anytime touchdown is what I got. This man is due. Taysom robbed three touchdowns from him last Taysom, week. Taysom didn't rob anything. Taysom took Taysom like robbed three. three. Taysom okay, took the, carry, the yeah, little 64-yard or whatever the fuck rush. That one was nice. I'll give him that. But the... In the red zone, Kamara gets in there. Kamara had 200 sure. total yards, 194 sure. yeah. total scrimmage yards, yeah, you're and right. didn't have a touchdown. Regression. He was robbed for at least one of those touchdowns. He yeah. hasn't gotten in the end zone once this year. Okay. He just proved that he's kind of back. I think he's, knock on wood, healthy enough. I have him in two fantasy leagues. If this man doesn't get in the end zone once, I'm going to riot. And what's your game bet? I don't like it at all. I don't like my game bet. Um, I'm putting money on arguably one of the most confusing franchises um, that there is to watch this year. But I've been burned betting against the Jags before, and I've been burned betting on the Colts. But I think that all it's a perfect storm. Um, Colts minus 2.5 at home. I think there's a solid chance they get Jonathan Taylor back this week. Um, I think he's still up in the air. But I think that disgusting, god-awful game we were all forced to watch last week is going to provide him a little bit of a spark. I think this is the week. Jonathan Taylor, if he plays, the Jags are looking a little bit shaky right now. That could mean they're due for a bounce back because they're a little bit sneakier than people expected them to be. But Coles minus 2.5 at home. I'm riding it. Um, I'm only going to put – I'm going to put – honestly, the more I don't like a bet is, as I've said on this podcast before, the more likely it is to hit. Um, That's just kind of how it works. I'm going to go ahead and put two units on that. Wow. Coles minus 2.5. I love betting on Matt Ryan. Good for you, dude. Good, yeah. good for you. Okay, Ron. Okay, Ron. I think it's time. News team, assemble! Good evening, San Diego. We are back yet again with another Ron Burgundy teaser. I'm your host, Ron Burgundy. Let's get right into it. So this one's going to be a little bit spicy for you. If you're listening to this podcast on Saturday, 
you're going to need to get this in as soon as possible because we got a couple Saturday games in here. Um, but I'll get into that in a second. We do have three NFL games for this teaser. Just to go over historically real quick, the Ron Burgundy teaser is yet to lose on this podcast. There's been some pushed legs, but the Ron Burgundy teaser, knock on wood, is yet to lose on the Regression to the Mean podcast. I want that to be instilled into your cerebellums as you start to weigh the options on the all five legs of the teaser. We got a seven-point teaser. We'll start with the Sunday games. Browns, plus 4.5. I'm teasing over the zero. It's a rule of mine that I don't like to do, but I'm going to do it. They're at home, bounce-back game. They lost a nail-biter to the Chargers last week. I think they're going to establish the run. I think Bailey Zaps or Zappy or whatever his name is is still throwing for the Patriots this week. Uh, that, that, that rookie luck streak can't run forever. Uh, I think at home, this is a get back game for Cleveland. Even if they do lose, I don't think it's going to be more than by a field goal. I think plus four and a half, even though if it's by a four point game, you're still cashing that bet. Cleveland at home plus 4.5 leg. Number one Packers pick them. Um, can't lose twice, right? Coy Packers aren't losing two games in a row to the giants and to the jets. It's not happening. Wow. If they lost to both the nope. New York teams. Yeah, no, that'd be crazy. They're like, and they're I at don't home. know against the spread after a loss or something. Zach Wilson in Wisconsin. I don't think he has it in him yet to steal a win at Lambeau. So I'm going to uh, take yeah, Packers. Keeping pick him the on door there. open for Zachy. Keegan's going to like that. Keegan, Keegan listens to this podcast. This is just yeah. to fluff his ego a little bit. Um, anyways, and then I hate betting on this garbage franchise, but I mean, they're not garbage enough for them to disappoint. They're seven fans again. Rams minus three at home against the Carolina Panthers. So far, we got the Browns plus 4.5. Packers pick them. Rams minus three. Um, the Rams suck, but Baker Mayfield or P.J. Walker, I think it's P.J. Walker this week, are worse. Um, if they lose at home, I'm happy to lose this bet just for the 49ers to further secure themselves as first place in the NFC West. But I don't think they can do it, despite how bad that franchise is. Rating champs, quote unquote, super team. They bought their win. Anyway, Ramley, Rams baby. Minus- Don't hate Ramley. the Ramley. Come on, man. You hate the Rams. Anyways, Rams so much. Three. So I don't know if our listeners know how much I hate the Rams. Sorry, Spencer. Ramley. I know that's your adopted team, but uh, I hate. I hate. The he's Rams. one of their. He's one of their seven. I'd say seven and a half fans because Spencer's been a fan of them since <laughs> right before they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, so um, he's like most of their fans. Yeah, exactly. Rams minus three at home. All right, the Saturday games. Get these in while you can. I think these are both a little bit later in the day. Nope, the, they're one of the legs is at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. So we got to get that in ASAP. Toledo minus one at home against oh, Kent no. State. Oh, no. Four and two Toledo at home. It's the Maction at versus two and four Kent State. And then, I mean, this one, this one's just got to be a lock. Diego Burnaby, if you listen to this. San Jose State, minus 1.5 on the road, 7.45 p.m. at the 1-4 Fresno State. It's a lock. The Spartans are fired up. I know this we're talking football on here, but if we just want to cash one unit to win three units on a seven-teaser, on a seven-point teaser, we got San Jose State, minus 1.5. Toledo, minus one. Browns, plus 4.5. Packers, pick them. Rams, minus three. There's literally no way this one can lose. There's not a chance. Toledo minus one's my only shaky leg. I was thinking of putting Bucks minus two, I think. Bucks minus 2.5 in there instead. But that game has the makings of a trap game to me. I think the Bucks should blow them out. But that's our five. We got one unit to win three units on it. Lock it in. The Ron Burgundy teaser. Keep riding this hot streak with me and keep winning this money with me. Because we got our we got our sights set. We got our sights set on the big prize here. 
Okay, so if we wanted to just make it NFL, if you wanted to drop your nonsense Saturday games for the people that watch real football, that it'll be it'll be a unit to wait. Like I have seventy five dollars on my seven point teasers because that's my limit. Yeah, and that wins nine. That wins ninety dollars. So okay, so if you just did the year. three teams, which was again, yeah. I think you Browns had plus four Browns, Browns plus, plus four and a half, Packers pick them, Rams minus three. Okay, if you and want then one unit to win three. You got those two locks for your CFB Saturday slate as well. And then you could throw in the Bucks if you wanted to take out the Toledo game. You could throw the Bucks in and then go Spartans. We're all saying the them below, kids. If you're getting the Bucks below minus three, or if you can get the Chiefs up to plus 10 in that teaser um, at home, then yes, I would say those would be your two replacement legs if you want to get five legs to make a one unit to win three. But. My official Ron Burgundy teaser is the one I listed, but if you had to swap two NFLs, if you can get the Bucks below three, minus three, and if you can get the Chiefs at at least plus 10, let's do it. All right. Corp, any thoughts? Do you think this is deranged, or do you like it? I think it's a coward's way to make units back. Taking <laughs> teasers. But they hit, they hit. Oh, we're, 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 unit, we're money shaming out here. Are you sound? You someone sounds a little, a little bit upset unit. that they're there in was... last place in the in the unit picks so far. Up I'm not three weeks. You were in dead last place, bro. I am like oh for four last week. Yeah, I, I was I was in a good spot and then just I'm at like crazy minus half. All I know is I'm winning. All I know is I'm up and we're gonna keep going. Corp said he's gonna buy me a trophy when I win at the end of this. It's pretty awesome. I'm buying you shit. All right, boys. Have a great weekend. Thank you again for joining. We appreciate it. Before we hop, Remember. before we hop, I know it's not on our slate, but Niners. What do you? What do? You, what's the final score this weekend? I think this game scores more points than what people think. I think the 49ers should win. We're very good on this second half when we stayed on the East Coast. Shanahan, I think, is undefeated in these East Coast legs. So I think that we win. Uh, but I think it's a little bit closer than you think it might be. And I think there's more points than what people think it might be. All right. The great Lombardi once said, fade the public. Keep doing it. Brand Coyp, out. Inspirational stuff. Thanks for joining, boys. That'll do it for episode 12 of the Regression to the Beat podcast. This was a long one. Um, we may be separating our betting podcast from our Thursday matchups. TBD, we're figuring it out here. Thank you for Jordan. Thank you for riding. We appreciate you. Talk to you on Tuesday.